The following audio is from Gold Country Baptist Church in Shingle Springs, California. Visit gcb.church to find more resources and to learn about our church. Turn to Exodus chapter 20. We are going through the Ten Commandments and we come to number five, which is on honoring father and mother and I think we can learn from honoring authority from other cultures. Uh, if you've been in Africa, if you've been in Asia, South America, you, you see in, in different cultures a real honor of parents and a real honor of authorities that you don't see, sadly, in our culture. I think our culture may be one of the worst in honoring authority and honoring parents. And I think even Christians have much to learn that I hope we will with God's But we're also going to see in our study that that term father in Bible culture, just like like there in in Congo there, is not just a biological term, and it's also not just for young kids. We're going to see in our our study today, and I want you to notice as, as I'm going to read the verse here, that it doesn't say honor your parents until you're 18. It doesn't say if you agree with them. Look at the text, Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And then Deuteronomy 5 repeats those same words, and it adds this, that it may go well with you. So this is for you to enjoy life, and this is for all of life, that it would go well in your life. And the point is to honor authority starting in the home. And this is a principle that extends beyond your growing up years. So I don't want you who are older here to just, you know, turn your hearing aids down or just tune me out because you think, well, I've, I've grown up. This is actually for all of us. Even if your parents are not still living, you are still called to honor them, even in the way you think of them and speak of them. This is for all of life, although it starts when we're young but it extends to all of life and all of life's authorities. It, really, the home is, it's been said, is to be the first hospital, the first school, the first government, the first church. It's, it's the training ground in all those things as to how we honor and respect and submit first to our parents is going to be determinative on whether our life goes well with other people that we're called to submit to and honor in Scripture as well. I came across this quote, and I want you to listen to this quote and try and guess who said this and when. Quote, youth today love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and they talk nonsense when they should work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents, talk too much in company, guzzle their food, lay their legs on the table, and tyrannize the elders. As I read that quote, I thought maybe that was someone writing in the 60s. That was actually written by Socrates 400 years before Christ. Socrates, that Greek philosopher who lived in Old Testament times. So there's nothing new under the sun, is there? There's just cycles of revolutions and rebellions. Dishonoring 
authorities is an old problem that just has new platforms. Technology and terminology may change, but 2 Timothy 3 says the old problems will get worse in the last days, including disobedience or defiance to parents. But we need to understand youth have always been tempted to disrespect authority and their parents. But now we have older people actually are a part of those temptations and actually urging them to. In many ways, we have authorities today wanting even to get rid of the terms father and mother. And we have authorities today who are telling kids, you are your own authority. You get to determine your own identity, whether it's self-identity, sexuality, even to surgeries, sinful autonomy. I think the new fifth commandment is honor your feelings to enjoy life. Isn't that the... The command of our world, honor your feelings. That's how you enjoy life. It's been said our therapeutic age teaches parents to be extremely careful not to impose the parent's will upon the child. Our psychologized society believes children basically would be healthy but for parents. Think about TV sitcoms. Parents are often incompetent. Idiots, especially the dad, is just dumb. And the kids are wise, and they resolve all the issues within 26 minutes. Think about even Disney TV cartoon movies that celebrate and sing of dishonoring parents. Ariel sings that maybe on land they'll understand that you don't reprimand your daughters like her dad, Triton guy, did. And those who rebel have the dreams that they wish come true. Parents are often bad, portrayed in a lot of ways, and often the liberated kid is the hero. I mean, this is just all around us. We're living in a sea of dishonor and disrespect and an ocean of defiance, but we have here in this passage a divine lighthouse that is built on a rock, And I want us to think about that. There is a divine lighthouse in this passage, Exodus 20, verse 12, for this world, the seas, and and there's a lot of waves that are causing people to crash on the shores. But we have here this principle of honoring authority starting in the home. And we're going to see the divine foundation, that solid rock. We're going to see some biblical illustrations of what does this look like. And again, this is for all of us, not just for young people. Many of the biblical illustrations are actually of adults honoring their parents. And then the promised motivation. There's a a promise in this verse. And then some gospel applications. My prayer in, in this study this week, I think this is so important for us, is that God would help us in our houses to be lighthouses in this world, and to help others not crash and destroy lives. For 3,500 years, people have been learning this truth, learning God's law, and often this is the first one that our kids learn. I know it was for our kids, the first one they learned when they were little. This is, I probably started that way in Israel as well, and this has continued everywhere that Christianity has spread including 
American schools for over 200 years, the, the New England primer that was, began in colonial times and was used even into the 19th century and even in some places beyond that, here's part of what it says. The sum of the Ten Commandments is, with all thy soul love God above and as thyself thy neighbor love. So that was a thing that kids learned in school the, the Ten Commandments are, with all thy soul, love God above, and as thyself, thy neighbor love. And then the catechism went through the commandments. What is the fifth commandment? Answer, honor thy father and mother. What is required is preserving the honor and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places and relations. And so it wasn't just to parents, but it was to authorities in the school and in the world is we honor authority starting in the home. There's all kinds of relations and stations in life that this applies to. And it starts here because if you can't learn to submit to and respect in your family, you're not going to do well with that in society. That's the principle. And the divine foundation is God's love. The divine foundation is God's love. Father is actually His title first. And even in this story of Exodus in chapter 4, he, he says, Israel is my son, and tell Pharaoh, let my son go. God is coming as a father to get his son out of slavery. He's the, the God of their fathers. That's what he wants them from the burning bush to, to know he is, and he's adopting them as his people, and now he's calling them to honor his earthly representatives in the home, fathers and mothers, representing God's image to them. Chapter 20, verse 2 says that he redeemed them out of slavery. He's lovingly brought them out of slavery. This is the God who is speaking to them out of his love. And I think it's good to think of all of the Ten Commandments as from a loving father wanting to write on their hearts a law of love. It was Jesus that said the whole law is summed up in, in these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And God wrote these ten commandments on two tablets, the scripture says. And they've been historically taught as commandments 1 through 4 on the first tablet, and then 5 through 10 on the second. The, the first table is about how we are to love the Lord our God. It's not just left up to us. He tells us what does it look like to, to love Him rightly. And then we move towards our, our neighbors, starting with those closest to us in the home. What does it look like to love others? What does it look like to honor others? Jesus, when he was talking to the rich young ruler, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, part of what he quoted to him of the commandments was, honor your father and mother and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Those are connected. Jesus quotes the, the second half of the Ten Commandments and he joins loving neighbor to honoring parents. Honor is the key word right in the middle of Exodus 20. And really, he's been showing him in the first four how to honor God's nature. There's only one God. How to honor God's worship. 
He's not to be worshipped in other ways or in idolatry or with imagery. How to honor God's name. How to honor God's day. And then we move to the second half. And it's about how to love by honoring human authority. How to love by honoring life. How to love by honoring marriage and the marriage bed in particular. How to honor by honoring love by honoring truth, how to love by honoring property and what belongs to your neighbor. This is about honor. And that verb, honor your father and mother, has the idea of weightiness, heaviness. It's not that your, your dad is heavy and overweight necessarily. It's the idea of give him a, a big place in your, your thinking. Give him a a place of gravity, greatest respect. This is actually the word used for glory in other contexts. This word isn't used for the priests or other people you might consider a holy person, but it's used of of parents and and even of, of elderly people. It's the glory of gray hair, Scripture speaks of. There's an age and authority in Scripture that is that is given that weight. Children are also told to rise up and to praise and to bless their mothers in Proverbs 31. That's language usually work, used of God praising and, and glory, but it's used of mothers who represent God and fathers as well. Like listen to Leviticus 19.3. Each of you must respect his mother and Father, and literally the word is fear or revere or or reverence, a word normally used for God to reverence or fear or respect is also a good translation, your mother and father. And then it says this, rise in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly and revere your God. This is how you honor God and how you honor God. Those to whom honor is due. And Leviticus actually lists mothers first. And it includes physical actions to show respect and honor. One of the older writers, Thomas Boston, suggested that mothers are listed first there in Leviticus because children may be most apt to despise their mother. And they being much about her hand while young, they're around her more Lest familiarity breed contempt, God has expressly provided against it. They must have a conscientious regard to that authority God has given over them and fear to offend them as those to whom, those who to them are God's stead. In other words, in God's place. And that's not just for when you're young. This is for all of us in the room to show respect to those to whom it is due and honor and to honor the elderly among us. That's the divine foundation of, of honoring. What are some biblical illustrations? Moses wrote Genesis before Exodus. He's writing the first five books together to the people as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. One of the details he brings out in Genesis chapter 9 is there's a son who dishonored his father, Noah. If you remember that story, he was drunk and, and disrobed. And that son was judged, and, and his sons, who would be the Canaanites, were part of that judgment, and they were prophesied to be under the sons of 
Shem. And, and Exodus 20 verse 12 is, is echoing that when it talks about this land that God is giving you. That's the land of Canaan. That's the land that was promised that God would give to the Israelites, the sons of Shem, and that the Canaanites would be conquered and would be subjected. That was all part of Genesis chapter 9. And Shem honored his father. Even when his father wasn't being honorable, he covered Noah's dishonor. And it went well with Shem and his descendants. And that illustration shows us that we are to honor even when parents are dishonorable, even when parents are in sin. That's a a huge point there and and even a a, a picture of how the future was going to unfold for those family trees based on how they honored Noah even when he was in sin. But in Exodus, go back to chapter 18 in the context right before this because Moses also practiced what he preached even to an unsaved in-law. Jethro was a pagan Arab priest of Midian. But Moses had honored him by seeking his input back in chapter 4. And here in chapter 18, verse 7, it says, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare. That means they asked each other how they were doing and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done. He's telling him all that he's done in his life. And this is actually, God used Moses, I think, to, to draw Jethro to understand and know that this God is the true God. It was a turning point in his life. But it's, it's illustrating here honor. There's an affectionate and appropriate respect that's seen here. Asking how they are doing is a way to honor. It, it looks like caring about their welfare, spending time with, sharing with them, sharing what God's been doing in your life is, is something I know parents often long to, to hear that from their kids. Honoring is also considering parental advice and parental input, even if it's unsolicited and even from an in-law, which is what happens in Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. For those of you that are in-laws, you need to be careful here because this is not something I think that should be a a regular thing. But there are times where a, a, a father because of their insight, can give some wisdom. And in verse 19, Jethro, who's now, I think, a new believer, is giving wise advice that Moses was, was wise to not just disregard because he's the leader God's appointed. No, he listens to this new believer because he's, he was going to burn out if he didn't learn to share burdens and train up others and delegate and educate helpers and all of that. And Jethro says in verse 23, we saw this a few weeks ago, if you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. He wasn't obligated to do that, but he listened. And in this case, it was good advice. Moses did not stop honoring when he turned 18. 
Did you know Moses is actually 80 here? He's 80 years old, but he still is honoring, and it went well with him. We can think of another example of honoring uh, an in-law, mother-in-law, and that's Ruth. Remember the story of Ruth with Naomi? Naomi was, was bitter. She wanted to be called bitter as they came back into Bethlehem. But Ruth was committed to serve her to the end. It's a wonderful picture of how the Lord blessed her and, and for generations to come because of how she blessed and honored her mother-in-law. Even some weird advice about a threshing floor, midnight meeting. She, I'm not sure that was something we should emulate either, but she honored her in that. And the question does come up, though, what if you're an adult or adult authorities counsel you to do something that's wrong, that's sinful? I think it's clear in Scripture we are to obey God over man. There are times where we need to do that. But even as we obey God over man, at times we still need to strive to honor man as much as is possible, as much as it depends on us. I think of Saul, who tried to, King Saul, tried to get Jonathan to set up David for murder, which would be a violation of the next commandment that we'll look at next week. Jonathan kept the sixth commandment. He wasn't going to have any part of setting up David for murder, but I think at the same time he's also striving to keep the fifth commandment of honoring his dad, but he's honoring his heavenly father more. He got away from his dad's abuse and violence. There was a time when Saul actually threw a javelin at his own son. That's not good parenting, by the way. But you know what's interesting is that later in life, Jonathan honored his dad until he died. And I know in a room this size, there are more than a few who have had a bad parent. Remember, Jonathan's tried to kill him. But even Jonathan, as his dad was dying, Jonathan was by his side in the field. Or think of David's son, Solomon. David wasn't a very honorable God in the whole situation with Uriah and Bathsheba. In fact, Uriah is being honorable, but David is not. But here later in life, listen to 1 Kings 2.19. Bathsheba went to King Solomon, that was her son, to speak to him. And the king, King Solomon, rose to meet her and bowed down to her. Then he sat on his throne and had a seat brought for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. This is the king. His mother comes into the room. He rises. He bows down to her. He gets her a place to sit. There's a lot of people who wanted his attention. He's giving his full attention to his mom. This is the king of Israel. Certainly, we can learn from this to give full attention to our mother. Put down our phone. Put down other distractions. Listen when your mother is speaking. And he was blessed 
as he honored his mother. It went well with him. He was wise, the wisest ever. And he wrote Proverbs twenty three twenty two. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. There can be some unique temptations in the older years and when faculties fail and when even, in some cases, more sin can come out and more tension can come out. Do not despise your mother when she is old. And these biblical illustrations, and almost all these are adults here, show us honoring is both attitudes and actions. But there's a promised motivation also. There's a promised motivation we need to see, thirdly. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land. You notice the other commandments are thou shalt not. Even the one before that had a you shall not work on, on these days. The others after it, you shall not murder, steal, all that. This one is a positive, honor your father and mother. But also, it's, it has a promise, unlike the others, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. It's been written that anyone in the social sciences field, whether liberal or conservative, has to acknowledge that study after study has shown that the best predictor for health as an adult and for making it through school, staying out of jail, or other life-destroying vice is what happens in the home. The best predictor is whether you had a mom and dad who loved you and were there for you and whether you listened to them and followed them. This is the way the world works. And let me give a word of encouragement. Even if you didn't have that in your past, you can be a part of that in the future. And even if you don't have children of your own, you can come alongside and serve children here in the church and help them in these things. But this is a principle from God's Word. I heard of a a boy at a a park years ago, and he saw a kid who was just being utterly defiant and disrespectful to his parents, and he turned to his dad and said, Wow, that kid must not want to live very long. Because he'd understood this principle. But there's a positive and a negative motivation. Negatively, the flip side is dishonor can mean shortened days. And just look across the page, chapter 21. Verse 15, right in the context here of what that can look like. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. And then verse 17, whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. That's one way you wouldn't have long days in the land. There'd be a lot less kids, I think, in our land. If that was the law of our land, Deuteronomy twenty-one eighteen: if a stubborn and rebellious son will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, he will not listen to them, then his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders. And this is serious. Your, your child is disrespectful and defiant, and you've been trying discipline, and you need you need more shepherding of them. You need to, when you see that, you need to shepherd their hearts. And when you're, you're trying everything you can, you're not making progress, you need to ask other shepherds for help. And, and sometimes there can be things that even was prayed about earlier that we not, may not even realize how we're actually making it worse. We're provoking them 
to anger or to discouragement. And sometimes we need wise outside input to help in that. But this is a a principle in their law that can apply to elders and the church today. We're not to put them to death. But there are times where they might need to be put out of a church or put out of a home as an adult. Sometimes, again, that's something you need wise counsel in that with God's people. We're not in the land of Israel. We're not under its law as a theocracy, and I'm not a theonomist. But God is deadly serious about this sin. This shows his moral heart about this. And this is not just in the Old Testament, by the way. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 19 as he's interacting with the Pharisees who were failing to honor their parents. He says this, he's quoting Matthew 19.4, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. He's quoting what God had said. But then he says what they were saying. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, and he need not honor his father. What they were saying is, is he doesn't need to support his dad in his old age if he's, if he's giving himself to ministry. They had a term, korban, for that. Jesus says, for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. Jesus rebukes them for failing to honor their parents and their aging parents in particular. To revile parents, to not really care for parents in their time of need is... Deadly serious, and Jesus himself has strong words for this. Dishonoring isn't just reviling lips, it can also be rolling eyes. Listen to Proverbs 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley. Your eyes can despise your parents. So kids, if you roll your eyes, watch out for birds around. You know what history actually tells us? When rebels were hung to die on crosses, and they would hang rebels, in particular rebels against the authority of of Rome, but when they would hang them to die on crosses, history tells us they actually literally did have birds come while they were alive and pluck their eyes out. So that literally happened. We don't, we don't see that. But we do see literal consequences today of rebellion. We do see lives cut short tragically in drug overdoses, in deadly accidents, in drive-by shootings. See, modern law may not end a rebel's life like it did in Old Testament times, but there is a law of sowing and reaping that can end someone's life or can end their freedom in life in incarceration. Many who don't honor father or mother, and sadly many of them who are in trouble didn't have a a dad even in the home. They don't live long or well. Think of some of the things maybe your parents told you. Don't join a gang. Don't hang out with this person. Don't hang on high branches. Don't get high. Don't touch electric wires. Those are things that if you ignored those kind of warnings or things like substance abuse 
or don't run into the streets, don't drive drunk. Lives do get literally cut short. It's tragic when unarmed people die resisting arrest and rejecting police authority orders, and it could have gone otherwise, but, but those willing to comply in those tense situations tend not to die. And authorities don't always get it right, but if you respond right, it's going to go well with you. You comply with authority. You learn to do that. And I know some of you are thinking, well, aren't there some disrespectful people who live long? They do, but they don't enjoy life. You might think, what about honorable people who are murdered? Well, that's the sixth commandment, and there's more on that next week. There are ways, lives that do get cut short, even from people who honor this principle. You say, what about parent haters? who live long and prosper, it seems. Some of you know that phrase from science fiction, live long and prosper. But is this, is this fiction or is this a fact? Here's the fact from God's perspective. Psalm 37 says, Fret not yourselves because of evildoers over the one who prospers in his way. You see them and it seems to be going well with the wicked people. Don't fret about that. Because from God's perspective, he says, in just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Now, God's perspective isn't always our perspective. But from God's perspective, it's just a little while. They're going to be gone. But here's what he says. The meek shall inherit the land. The meek are the humble, respectful, honorable children of God. And he goes on in Psalm 37 to say, Better is the little that the righteous have. And then he says, The righteous shall inherit the land. Remember, Exodus is talking about the land. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The righteous will inherit the land. They're going to dwell upon it forever. It's true that some who honor parents have little years in this life. But they're better years than the wicked, long lives. Isaiah 57 verse 1 says, Sometimes the righteous are taken actually to be spared from evil in this life. And I want to be sensitive to hurting and grieving families here, even as you think now of loved ones who didn't live long in the land. But I want you to know there is gospel hope here. For any, for any who fall short of God's ideal, if you're feeling even as you hear all this conviction and, and regret from your past and wondering if there's hope for the future, there is. And the, the promise motivation ultimately depends on our fourth and final point, and that is gospel applications. And I want to say a word even at this point here for any who are hurting right now because of parent and child relations that are not good. There's good news here, no matter what your situation is. I know there's some who are mourning a loss of a loved one whose life in this land was cut short by by our estimation. We have a sympathetic Savior. We have a Savior who loved and honored His parents perfectly, and His life ended when He was in His early 30s. 
And he and his followers may not always live a full life by some of our definitions, but he said he came to give life to the full. He said he came to give life more abundantly. There's life beyond the the life that, that maybe we were thinking of in some of these promises. Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me lives even though he dies, yet shall he live. Do you believe, he asked Martha at the graveside of Lazarus. Do you believe Jesus is the life? He is the resurrection. Do you bow to him as your authority, as your Lord, as your Savior? Jesus actually quoted Psalm 37, but he he changed it. He says, the meek shall inherit the earth. He's he's quoting where it said the the land of, of Canaan, but Jesus is not misquoting it or taking it out of context because Psalm 37 talked about living on the land forever. Living on the land forever. So don't just think old Canaan. Think new creation. Think beyond this life. Think Emmanuel's land, as Isaiah called it. It's a land that goes on forever. And I think even in the fourth commandment, there was this dynamic where the temporary physical rest is actually looking forward to a spiritual and eternal rest. And in Hebrews 4 talks about that. And this fifth commandment to Old Covenant Israel also began in the land, but it's bigger and it's better now forever. There's, there's a lot of promises in Scripture I can only make sense of if there is a new earth, a new earth. Believers in Jesus will be resurrected and will inherit the earth He renews in a, a body as literal as Jesus' resurrected body. And Psalm 37 says they will dwell forever on that land. I think the end of Revelation describes that land. Jesus says those who believe in him in this life have eternal life. It starts here, but it never ends. He lives even if he dies, Jesus says. There's a a quality of life, to be sure, for the meek now, but it goes into forever for those who honor authority in the Lord as their Savior. The gospel promises that life to believers, even if they die young. There is a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, we can see that land from afar. That's what Hebrews says. All of them were looking forward to that ultimate land. And the end of verse 12 says, God gives this land and this life. But think about how the New Testament speaks of the free gift that God gives. It's, it's not by our works. Being moral and being respectful to parents doesn't earn you or give you eternal life. It's a free gift of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's by grace alone, through faith alone. And as we truly believe in Him, there's a love for Him that even goes beyond the greatest love we're to have early in life. Jesus said in Matthew 10 that we must love Jesus more than father or mother. We need to take up His cross. But the New Testament says we do need to honor in the Lord. Ephesians 6, one: Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life. 
on the earth. That's Ephesians 6, applying the fifth commandment in the Lord Jesus. It's beyond the land. It's the earth, beyond the land that the Jews had in the Old Testament in the Lord Jesus. And Ephesians also warns fathers not to provoke, but to bring up in God's truth and Love And so just some applications that flow at, right out of that New Testament passage. Children at home, obey your parents. It says this is right. Obey them in the Lord. It doesn't say obey your parents in the things you agree with. It doesn't say to children, now there's children in the home, obey your parents if you think they're Right. I know some of you junior hires and high schoolers here, you think you know more than your parents. Some of you say it out loud, others of you think it. Some of you say your parents just don't get it. Your parents just don't understand you. They don't understand what you're saying. Some of you are getting bigger than your parents or already have. Some of you, our culture calls young adults. But to honor your parents... Ephesians 6 says that you are called to obey them in the Lord for this is right. This is speaking to children who are in the home under their authority and in dependence upon them. Think of this. Jesus was in that stage of life that his culture considered a young adult. Not, not fully on, able to be on his own yet, but considered a, a young adult. They had this bar mitzvah, this coming of age where you're now treated as responsible. But think about this. When Jesus was that age in his teen years, he actually did know more than his parents. He actually knew more than the rabbis in Jerusalem. He was amazing them with his questions that they'd never heard or thought of. He was probably taller than his mom at that age. And she didn't get it. She didn't understand what was going on. Listen to Luke two forty nine. Jesus says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And it says his parents did not understand the saying that he had spoke to them. But it says he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Notice the order there, with God and man. With God as the ultimate authority in his life, but also favor with men and other authorities there in his village in Nazareth. Kevin DeYoung says, Jesus obeyed his parents and he was perfect and they were not If you ever have a moment where you think, I know so much more than my parents. In fact, I feel like I'm living life much better than my parents. I'm closer to perfection than my parents. That was actually true of Jesus and only true of Jesus, but he never disobeyed. And if you're a parent, you should treasure that in your heart too. Treasure that in your heart too. This example of Jesus in all things. He's the second person of the Trinity in human flesh. He's perfect in all his ways. And he is submissive. The 12-year-old and as a teenager to his parents. 
if anyone could say, I'm not a child, I don't have to obey, you, you think it would be God in the flesh, in teenage flesh, but he didn't do that. He still honored his parents. And there certainly becomes a, a time in those years when that, that obedience turns more to honor and there should be more influence rather than just rules. But whatever it is for the rules of living in that home, we need to be honorable. Jesus perfectly obeyed imperfect parents. Jesus always honored his Father in heaven. Remember Jesus in the garden? And he's, he's struggling with his Father's will. And he three times prays, Father, if, if it is possible, basically if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He's in anguish, great drops of blood. He, he, he's crying out, Abba. But then he says this, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. This is the Lord's example. This is the Lord who can help us in difficult situations. This is the Lord who models to us what it means to ask your father or mother. Ask your parents. And you can appeal respectfully to them. Is it possible? Is there any other way? You can appeal respectfully where it's hard, but ultimately, like Jesus, we need to honor their will, not ours. And again, I'm I'm speaking of children in the home, not those who are on their own and older. But don't make decisions or plans with friends or parents of others. If you haven't asked your parents first, this is a principle. We need to ask our fathers. We need to not hide things from our mother or father. That's a way to dishonor parents. It's not going to go well with you. You're not going to enjoy life if you're hiding and not being open about things you're struggling with. So boys and girls, obey your parents in the Lord. Ask the Lord's help. The Lord knows. He knows it could be difficult. He went through that. Ask his help so that you can obey right away and with a right attitude. And if you haven't been doing that, ask forgiveness from Jesus. Ask him to help you. Ask forgiveness from your parents if you've been disrespecting them. And by the grace of Jesus, you can become more like him. And there's a a second one. And that's care for parents to the end of their life. This is also what Jesus did. As he went from Gethsemane, he went to the cross. and, And one of the few recorded statements of Jesus on the cross was making sure that his mother was going to be cared for, that John would take care of her to the end of his life, and he took her into his home. I've seen many here honor aging parents, taking them into their home later in life. I've also seen many honor by visiting parents in their home. But a way to honor them later in life is, is by time, by taking time, by talking with them, by calling them. James says, pure religion includes visiting widows in their time of need. 1 Timothy 5 says to Christians, honor widows who are really in need. And it says, if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 
Strong words in the New Testament, not just in the Old Testament. And Jesus rebuked Pharisees who failed to care for their older parents in that way. Riken says honoring means speaking well. It also means talking to parents, letting them know what's happening. Adults have major decisions, and they can honor their fathers and mothers by seeking their counsel, listening to what they say, caring for their needs, and strengthening the family ties in any way we can. The fifth commandment remains in force even after children grow up and move out on their own. They can honor by loving them, expressing appreciation to them, caring for them later in life, and making sure their parents have the physical, medical, spiritual, and emotional care they need. I know there's many here who are doing that. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in doing good. This is a good thing, and we need to learn how to do that more. And then thirdly and finally, communicate honorably in all stages of life. Here's, here's some words. Sometimes we need to even know what does that look like or sound like. It can be simple things like, hi, mom. Actually, Starting a conversation, yes, dad, especially if you're younger, thank you, mom, or how about this, I'm sorry, dad, I love you, mom and dad. Those are just some examples, yes, thank you, sorry, love you. Hi, picking up the phone, talking to them. Never disrespect your parents in how you speak to them or how you speak of them to others. This can be a temptation. How you speak of them to others. I think this is, for young adults, something to think about. If you're attracted to someone who speaks badly of parents, that's not attractive to God. That's ugly to God. That's not a good pattern If a girl doesn't submit to her dad when she disagrees, she's not going to do that to the guy she marries. And I know some guys are thinking, well, it's different with me. She thinks I'm great. You know what? She thought her dad was awesome a few years ago. She would tackle him when he would come through the door. She thought he was the greatest person ever. But when the rubber meets the road, when things get difficult, when you don't like what the other person or how they're leading, that can change. If you're with someone who dishonors your parents in a relationship, know that that's the kind of person, apart from an intervention of God in their life, they're going to dishonor you and others they love. If you speak against or lead any friend against parents, God warns it will not go well with you. And so if you've dishonored your parents or other parents. The word for you is the same that I said earlier. Repent. Ask forgiveness. Get help by mature believers. I know there's some in a room this size who can think about great pain that your parents caused you even decades ago. There might even be some of you who your, your parent isn't even alive. You can still honor their memory. I've seen unforgiveness and bitterness just consume people. Even sometimes things long ago or things they can't even talk to that person anymore because they're not around. I've also seen freedom 
as people can let go of that hurt and, and, and give it to God, and, and if their parents are still alive, to try to love their sinful parents in some way. Ask for God's help in that, to how you can show love. If, if you're an adult with parents still alive, you, you can honor them. I, I've, I've been in situations with Pastor Dale counseling with someone, and one of the questions sometimes he'll ask about this decision, have you asked your parents? Well, no. Why don't you ask your parents? That's a, a principle there, that it may go well with you. Well, they might not give good advice. Well, they've, they've known you more than anyone else for a lot of years. At least listen to what they have to say. You're not bound as an adult to obey what they say, but they, they have wisdom, even if they're unsaved. I've, I've heard adults speak very dishonorably of their parents. That's not good. We need to repent of that. We need to resist that when we feel it coming up. It's also not okay to dishonor other parents. Be careful talking about other parents or things that you don't agree with or respect about them. If you have a loving concern with someone you know, you can talk to that parent, but don't just talk about them behind your back or about their kids. I think we need to be careful and model what honoring parents look like. And I would encourage all of us to pray for parents. It's difficult as parents try to honor God, honor them by encouraging them. Hey, I'm praying for you. I see what you're doing. I'm, I'm praying for you. And a way to honor your parents is to ask them how you can pray for them or how you can help them. And I think we need to pray now for God to help us all because this is so important. So let's pray. All right. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us in our families. We thank you, our Father, for the human fathers and mothers on earth that you gave us. We pray for difficult situations, Lord, whether past or present, that you, by your grace, would be at work. We pray where we have been guilty of violating this principle, Lord, that we would make that right. And we thank you above all that Jesus kept the law perfectly for us, that law that we break. So we ask for his grace to honor parents so that it may go well with us. And for your glory we pray, amen.